Hello, I'm John Deeks, and welcome to a very special edition of Your Life Choices, the podcast. And for over 25 years, Your Life Choices has been providing Australians with essential news, articles, and retirement resources. And with over 270,000 members and growing, Your Life Choices is Australia's longest established and most trusted digital destination for the over 50s. Today, I'm with uh, Senior Driver Oz. Dot com super supremo, Mr. Paul Morell, to uh, to talk to to Paul one on one about things motoring, but more obsessively, I want to talk about the purchase of a car. Now, I am a horror when it goes to buying cars. As I said to Paul and others, uh, I'd rather have root canal work than have to go and buy a car because I'm terrified. I'm a mug, and I don't know what I'm doing. And I usually pay the price that uh, is on the on the car. How stupid am I, Paul? How stupid am I, John? That is probably in the old days very stupid, but the way the market has now gone, it's very difficult to negotiate. Well, we have with us, and thank you so much indeed for inviting this special guest in, a gentleman by the name of Bill Noah, who has been in the industry for many, many years. And I thought that this would be a chance to get some insight tips and tricks as to how best prepare yourself when you're going to buy a new car or a used car. Now, let's just say I'm 60 to 70 years old and I'm coming to buy a car that I want pretty much to sort of see me out, if you will. Uh, A, should I be buying a new car or a used car? Um, That's a good question. Um, I would actually throw that straight to Bill, who has sold both new and used cars, and get his response. Bill Noah, thank you so much for giving up time and also your extensive expertise uh, as far as the motor trade's concerned. Uh, you're, you're the guru on the mug. Uh, should I be buying a new car or a used car? Hmm, very hard to say straight off an easy answer to that one, John. The market has changed somewhat since, particularly COVID, uh, whereas stock and supply has been an issue. Uh, in the days gone by, prior to... Uh, GST, for example, it was great to buy a used car, but of course, when GST came in, um, that applied to used cars as well as new cars. And then, since the COVID uh, pandemic situation, the supply of new vehicles has been very hard, which in turn has made the supply of used vehicles very hard because uh, people go into a dealership and uh, they want to maybe even buy a new car, but guess what? We can't get it. And we've got this particular car on the lot that's a used car, so buy this one instead. And quite often they will. So things have changed in recent years. But if you're buying a new car or a used car now, you're paying very similar money if the used car is very fairly, you know, within two or three years of of, of birth and fairly low kilometres on it. You're going to be paying close to full new car sticker price to purchase it. So, Bill, we've all heard nightmare stories about what was done with used cars, where speedos were wound back and sawdust was put into differential. And I mean, those things surely must have changed. Well, we hope they've changed. What's your experience with that? I think they, that is correct. Uh, they, they are wild stories from years well gone by. Nowadays, uh, most of the states um, have uh, statutes that protect the consumer to some extent. For example, a car comes into stock that's been traded in and uh, and that car's got to be completely workshop tested and safety checked and all the rest of it. Sawdust in the diffs is not going to happen. Winding back the, the speedo or what we call whizzing 
is is not to be done. That's highly illegal. In fact, I believe um, that uh, dealers can lose their licence if they're found guilty of that sort of behaviour. So nowadays you should, if you buy from a reputable dealer and you buy a used car, you should get a pretty sound vehicle. Uh, Bill, what sort of tricks are played in your experience, and please don't go back too far and don't tell us anything that we shouldn't know, but when you walk into a dealership as a 50, 60-year-old, what tricks are done to get more money out of your pocket? Good question, that one. Like any business, one of the main objectives, and more so these days, is to make money. And uh, when you get people, seniors particularly, and often there'll be a couple, of course they can resource on the internet these days and get far more information than they ever could in the past. In fact, some of the purchasers actually know more about the vehicle they're interested in than the actual salesperson does because they've done all of this research. They know the dimensions, they know the power, they know how many kilowatts it's got, what the fuel economy is, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the salesperson needs to be fairly well across all of this. But I think that one of the first things the salesperson needs to do is look at the consumer and basically do a very quick psychological profile on them, if they're any good. Work out what they react to, what their hot buttons are, what they react to. And uh, so, but the two main things that, uh, techniques that have been used, um, and I have never used either of them, I'm pleased to say. One is called the tap, and one is called the highball. Very, very common techniques. Please expand. Okay, so the tap is, for example, if you're buying a new or used vehicle and you're trading in your old car, let's just assume for a moment that your old car is worth $5,000. So what you're going to do is go to every dealer that you can get to on the day you've designated to buy your car, and you're going to find out who's going to give you the best trading because we know basically what it's going to cost, what the sticker price is going to be on the car you're going to buy. So often the changeover will come down to how much you get for your trade-in. So what will often happen, particularly if it's like on a Saturday and it's suspected that the purchaser is going to allocate the entire day to go to several dealerships, what they will do in the morning, that dealership will do what's called a highball. So if the car's worth $5,000, he or she may say, well, we reckon your car's worth $8,000. Okay, thanks very much. Off goes Mr. or Mrs. Consumer, and they go to the next dealer, and they find out that it's really maybe $5,000. And then the next dealer, and another 5000 and the dealer after that, another 5000 At the end of the day, they're totally exhausted, totally exhausted, but they've allocated this day to buy the car. So they go back to, now that bloke told us this morning that we could get $8,000 for our car, so let's go back to him. They go back, and then guess what? They find out, oh, Mr. and Mrs. X, we're sorry, we thought your car was this particular model variant, but in fact it's not. So really your car's worth $5,000. So after all of this, Mr. and Mrs. X decide, oh, well, we might as well do the business. So that's one of the techniques that is used. Very interesting, Bill. And how about the tap? The tap, that's a good one. Um, Now, some dealers will actually reward the salesperson for this. Uh, The tap is, again, if we look at our $5,000 trade-in, and if the consumer has no idea what their car's worth, the salesperson might say, well... I thought your car was worth between fifteen and eighteen hundred dollars, but guess what? Great news, it's worth twenty one hundred dollars. So 
Let's write it up as a $2,100 trade-in for you. Everybody happy? Yep. Okay. Press hard. Three copies. Now, the results of that are pretty obvious, and some dealers would reward salespeople for doing that and, and, and actually pay them a substantial commission on the value of the, the tap, the difference, if you like, before they even sell another car and, and make commission on that as well. I guess also, Paul, a question that uh, is uh, always in my mind when I'm a Muggins going in to buy a car is, should one be looking for a discount on the car or more money for the trade-in? Yes, assuming that the the bottom line ends up being favourable to the consumer, my advice would be to reduce the value of the purchase price of the one you're buying, simply because there would be less stamp duties involved and on-road costs. I have to say... Dixie. Bill would have loved to have met you in a showroom by the sound of it. Absolutely no question. I am a, a total mug or whatever the uh, the, the colloquial term is uh, in the old car trade. Uh, and, and that's why I'm fearful of going into a dealership because they have the advantage because they sell cars every day. I buy a car every five years. So so what other hints, what other help could you give our Your Life Choices uh, listeners when they go into a dealership to buy, say, a new car? Yes, I'd be aware of the highball technique. I'd also be aware of, particularly when you've got a couple, an elderly sort of couple coming in. Now, they can be okay, but they may have done their research. Some of them are computer savvy. Not all of them are. And if they're wandering around aimlessly, they can be referred to as wood ducks. I've got my hand up. So these people are targets. And that gets back to what I was saying earlier about... A benefit for the salesperson is to be able to determine pretty much what the characteristics of the consumer are, what their hot buttons are, how they work, so that you can actually, because you need to befriend them. As a salesperson, you need to befriend them. You don't need to go to battle with them or they won't come back again. You'll be out of the yard before you can say Jack Robinson. When you're buying a new car, is it advisable to buy a top-of-the-range car or a a well-optioned car? Is that going to have an effect down the line? So when the time comes to sell it, is it going to be more valuable or easier to sell? I mean, It's a hard one, that one, Paul. Um, generally, I would advise that the consumer look at what features and benefits they really want in their car. And, and it's about buying what suits them, really. However, uh, if we take the example of the average suburban household, Mr and Mrs X put a swimming pool in the backyard cost them $45,000, they're never going to realise $45,000 on that house when they when they resell. They're not going to get the full value back for their investment on that swimming pool. So in my opinion, it's while you've got use of the vehicle, you want the features that, that actually suit you. And uh, whether that affects the value down the track, well, it probably will, but it's not going to be a big deal. Few makes like Mercedes and Honda now have set prices for their vehicles. Now, does that affect the trade-in? So can I go in and try and (laughs) find a highball price and know that the cost of my vehicle is going to be the same no matter where I go? Yes. uh, Generally, you'll find this will happen. Um, A brand manufacturer will have a given retail price, no matter what dealer. So again, it comes back very heavily to the value of the trading, and a lot of people know this. Now, some manufacturers these days, actually on a new car, they'll show 
the purchase price of the car or the ticket price, the full retail price of the car, and then they'll show a negative down the left-hand side of the page showing that the negotiation's already been done for you. This is the discount you're going to get. So some consumers may accept that and others may say, well, actually, we haven't started yet. Now we'll start negotiating. Uh, Bill, it's interesting, isn't it, that these days more and more car companies and cars are coming with packages. So you can't sit there. You were saying before, you know, make sure that the the accessories or the options you take are going to be of use to you and of value to you. The problem is going to be that if you buy a car, quite often it'll be you get the sunroof, you get the cruise control, the adaptive cruise control, you get the this and that and the, the mood lighting and God knows what. And the problem there is always going to be that you don't get a choice. So you're stuck with a whole lot of options that you don't want in order to get the one or two that you do. And obviously you're paying for those options whether you want them or not. Absolutely right, Paul. And a consumer, there's very little they can do about that, particularly in this market where stock is extremely hard to to come by. Uh, Components, uh, transport, all of these issues have led to a shortage of stock in, in new cars, which in turn has actually led to a shortage of stock and increased values in used cars. I'm going to ask to you two gentlemen a question. I'm 60 to 70 years old. Do I buy myself an electric car or a, uh, a stinky? <laughs> Come on, just, just yes or no? Electric or not? No. No. Well, that sort of answered that one very clearly. Uh, okay, Bill, but before we let you go, can you give me, say, three or four really good tips on what I should do when I walk into a dealership? Firstly... Know what know what you're talking about before you walk in. Do your research. If you can't access the internet or you know, don't have a computer or don't know how to use it, find somebody who does and get some really good information from that. That's the first thing. Secondly, when you come in, be polite. Salespeople these days aren't out there to absolutely tear strips off you. You can be polite. They should be polite. If they're not, walk away. Also, in the negotiation process, don't be scared to stand up and walk towards the door and watch them jump up and grab you and get you back. Do they really see the manager? You know how they say, oh, hang on, I'm just going to talk to my manager. What do they really do? Do they go outside and make a cup of coffee or what? That's a really good question. And there's been so many theories about this. But I can pretty much guarantee you that no matter if you, wherever a salesperson works for a reputable dealer, there is a manager that you don't get to see all the time. There is a back room. And the manager's job is to look at what the car owes them. In other words, what it costs them to purchase the car, what it costs them to recondition the car, what it costs them to transport it and prepare it. So the, 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 the sales manager, he or she, will determine what the bottom line is that this car can be sold for. So here we have our trade-in. We know what the real value is, and the dealer will work from that and determine whether there's a margin in it, whether the, the, the transaction is viable for the dealership. And answer the question, yes, there is a second person. Now, also, the consumer will probably meet that second person, that manager, very soon after arrival. It's called the double intro. A salesperson doing their job properly will introduce a sales manager who might be walking past conveniently or something at the time. And this way, when it gets down to a negotiation situation and the uh, sales manager is brought in to do the final crunch, the salesperson, the sales manager, sorry, is now a friend because we've already met this person. So we've got a little bit of trust going there, if that helps. It does. And uh, what, are your, what are your tips as a, as a motoring journalist? 
uh, my tips are keep your car as long as you can and stay away from car dealers as often as you can. Oh, that's not fair, is it, Bill? Well, they've got to be some very lovely, honest uh, car dealers out there, salesmen I think, I, and ladies. I don't think it's as bad as some of the reputations that are around. I think things really have improved in recent years. And and we've got to face the fact it is a business. Um, I mean, we even look at the real estate industry. A house is advertised in Adelaide for seven fifty to $790,000. A young couple that find they can actually manage that go along to the open inspection and they find out two days later that the, car, the house was sold for $890,000 and they get their hearts broken all the time. Now, that's a totally different game again. But um, I think that some of the criticisms of the used car industries over the years have been a bit harsh. I think the average punter can work out, again, if they can get on the computer and find out what their training's worth and or speak to somebody who does know, they will be in a very good position. Be polite when you go into your dealership. Know your facts. Negotiate fairly but strongly. And be prepared to walk. Don't fall for the highball. Don't be a wood duck. Don't be a wood duck. I love it, wood duck. I think I was once. Bill, thank you very much for coming in and talking to us today and telling us some stuff that we probably wouldn't have been privy to. And I think your advice is is excellent. Do your research before you walk into a dealership. Understand what's what and don't be afraid to negotiate. And most important of all, don't be afraid to get up and turn around and walk away. The Voice of Reason, uh, Paul Morell, uh, motoring journalist, and along with Bill Noah, who's uh, been in the industry for many years. I hope this has been some interest to you folks, and uh, we'll be having uh, Paul back on the show very, very shortly with another uh, interesting motoring podcast. But in the meantime, this is me, John Deeks, on behalf of all of the Your Life Choices team, wishing you well, and we'll see you next time. And don't be a wood duck. <laughs>